0: We're in our uh, foundation study, and currently there are some uh, resources available for you. Uh, a slide that we'll be showing in a second is also available in the back. It's the gifts of the Spirit chart, and that's our current topic. Uh, we've talked about the Bible, we've talked about the Trinity, we've talked about uh, um, you know each person of the Godhead. Now we're on the, the gifts of the Spirit, and so last week we'll be concluding that hopefully today. And moving on to next week the church what what is the church? Why are we here? what's it about and uh so anyways uh this is a little chart for you. there's also the spirit filled life study that I pulled off the web somewhere, and I just thought it's really uh it's just an awesome study just the holy spirit um is i think by design he's he's such a gentleman you know he he kindly hardly ever gets noticed and and that's how he wants to bring glory to Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we kind of neglect sometimes his power. We neglect his uh, working in our lives. And I think it's great to, to study about him and to know him. He is God. Uh, some resources I highly recommend. Um, one is just a classic by Billy Graham called The Holy Spirit. And this is really ancient. You can tell because no one would ever do a book like this anymore. Um, but they do have a modern version, and, and it's updated, and it's just awesome. It's just it's straightforward. So if you're looking for what is you know, what does someone like Billy Graham say about the Holy Spirit? Um, this is a great resource. Also, um, I would I would for a more modern type of uh a thought about uh about the Holy Spirit, there's a book called Forgotten God by Francis Chan, uh revising our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. And so that's just a pastor talking about, hey, you know, uh, we're kind of forgetting about the Lord, you know, either we abuse them or we put them in a box, you know, let's let them operate in the church. And so it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, uh again, all these texts I, I, I give you, I would encourage you to be like a Berean who, who chews through them and says, Hey, uh, is this really what the Lord says? Is this really what's in the scripture? Because all the books I could recommend, I really highly recommend this one. Um, <laughs> and they are in the seatbacks in front of you, and I tell you what, for all the books that people read you know about the Bible, I mean, how many of us just read our Bible? I mean, just reading the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's a powerful thing, so I encourage you first of all to start here and uh you know as i study there's there's certain things that I have no clue on, and you'll and you'll recognize that when I'm talking and uh You know, so I go to other men of God, other women of God who've wrestled with these situations and find out, you know, what did did they say? What did they think? And chances are, you know, they've come to different um, views on different things. And so uh, that's okay. But the the main thing is that we're always pointing what people say back to Scripture to see if it is so. And so – in, our, in the gifts of the Spirit, let's open up to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. There should be Bibles in the seat backs in front of you and the seat back behind you. If, if you need one, raise your hand and someone will get one to you. Everybody has a sword. Great. And I'm just going to kind of skip through here and then eventually I'll get to my notes. First um, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Paul had been dealing with uh, a church who'd kind of been abusing every single thing, that everything spiritual. They had trouble getting along. There was divisions in the church. They said they were spiritual, yet they said, hey, I follow this one leader. Well, I follow this leader. Oh, yeah, well, I follow Jesus. And so just a real great church. People often refer this as to the book of the uh, first Californians. And so uh, it's not true, friends. I've been there. I'm just kidding. No, it is. We, we, all, we all struggle in these areas. But so Paul comes to verse uh, chapter 12, verse one. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. And again, there's a lot of ignorance in the church about spiritual things, about spiritual gifts. And so the word here uh, that Paul is using is the word gifts is not there. Spirituals is the actual word he's saying now concerning spirituals. He's been dealing with carnal things for quite a while in the church. And so now he's putting their, their eyes and their hearts back upon the things of God, you know, hey, he just spent talking to him about, you know, sacrifices and idols and all these things bleeding into their worship. And now he's saying, hey, let's get back to the edification of the body. And so uh, he begins in verse 12 now, now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I don't want you to be ignorant. You know, I want you to know these things. He goes, you know that when you were pagans. Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are other issues. You can go back to my First Corinthians study there to, to get what he's saying. Um, but in verse 4 is the very important point. point. Um, there are different <coughs> uh, First Corinthians 12, excuse me. Um, there are different kinds of gifts. But the same spirit, and this is very important about the spiritual gifts. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works in all, in all men. And so Jesus, if you notice, uh, uh, I mean, sorry, uh, Paul is using the Trinity as a, as a unifying factor. He's saying, hey, there's different kinds of spirit, there's, there's, but there's one, there's one spirit, there's one Lord, there's one God. He's using the idea of diversity of gifts, yet unifying in those same gifts. We are all a body. We're all different. We have different functions within the church, yet we are one in Christ. Amen? Just as he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet he is one. It is a mystery, but this is what it says. So, in, And so also in this, this verse here, it talks about, and this is where some people structure the different gifts because there are different lists of gifts, gifts there, Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and there's a bunch of uh, miscellaneous passages. Again, by no means do I think these are, are are all inclusive. I think Paul's just getting at the gist of it, um, but nevertheless, we go by what is said. And so, uh, in in this section, uh, he talks about uh, in, in these verses here in 1 Corinthians, he says uh, there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. And so they divide them into three different categories. Most people who are studying this divide them into three categories. First uh, Corinthians being the charisma gifts. Uh, Romans 12 being the, the, uh, the, it's in the context of serving, the serving gifts and Ephesians four being more of the uh, uh, government gifts, the governing gifts that call them offices, the gifts of offices. You know, so if that helps you memorize them, great. But again, take them in their context, pray about them, and see um, what the Lord's saying to your heart on these. But it says, now to each, verse 7, 1 Corinthians, one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And this is where we believe that every single person in the body of Christ, if you receive Jesus, has a gift. To each one is manifest. So each of you have one of these deals up here, or if not more, but guaranteed. One of you does not have all of them. I only know of one. He is among us, but it ain't us. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> he manifested all these gifts. And if you if you see uh, the fullness of the Spirit upon Jesus Christ and his ministry, it's amazing. You can see all these gifts at work. Um, so anyways, uh, maybe with the exception of tongues, I didn't see that, but. And so he goes on in 1 Corinthians just to finish up the 1 Corinthians chapter. And he goes, To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The the, the purpose of the gifts are for others, not me, right? It's for the gifting of the body. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Jonah, I'm going to toot this one last night. He, you know, he scored two touchdowns on Friday night. He has a running back for, you know, Wahai and uh, rushed for 130 yards. When I talked to him, I said, hey, how did the game go? And he said, we lost. Now, I don't know, two touchdowns, 130 yards? That's pretty great. I mean, that's that's incredible. But what did he say? It wasn't about, he didn't have the focus on him. I had to pry that out of him. We lost. It's about the others. His effort was kind of like it was free for, the other, for, for everybody else. And that's, and that's kind of how it is with us in Christ. I am gifted for you so that we win. Amen? You are gifted so that I win. I want to win, don't you? Amen. We have one. But anyways, as we go through here, he, he describes these gifts. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Verse 8. To one there's given this, uh, through the Spirit the message of wisdom to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by that same spirit to another, the gifts of healing. So obviously he's emphasizing that the spirit and unity, the gifts of healing, another one by that one spirit and to another miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another one speaking in different kinds of tongues, still, still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one, and the same spirit and he gives to each uh, them to each one just as he determines. We, don't, we do not get to choose what gifts we have. God sees you, knows you, and will gift you according to his sovereignty. Now Paul contrasts that and he says, earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Pray for them, seek after them. But he wants to bestow upon you a gift for your use for our benefit. How many of you have taken the time to ask God to show you what that is? Just a few, you know what I'm saying? Show me what you have called me to. What is my ministry? Each of you is called. Are you born again? You are in the ministry, brother, sister. You're in full-time ministry, day and night. You know, it's not, you know, a pastor, he's in the ministry. No, you are the body of Christ, the purpose of the, as we'll get into Ephesians 5 about all these Office gifts is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Amen. You are the you're the driving force of this whole thing. You are the salt and the light. We serve so that you could go do the hard work. Can I be in your job? Can I be in in your family? Can I be in all these places? No. And that's again why I believe Sunday morning and Paul talks about it is is really an, an edification time, an equipping of the saints. Equip you. Through the teaching of the word, and and that's very important. But that's not the whole picture. When we gather together, your gifts are used to edify one another. Thus, you know, the hanging out, talking to one another, the praying afterwards, the prayer during the service. Um, but again, this is a very um, there's so much more to the body of Christ, and, and that's why we encourage people to be in home fellowships, to be in groups where you can really grow and use those gifts. Because you're missing out if you aren't. You're really missing out on what you have to give and and what God has to give you. And so, again, he lays out these gifts. I'm not going to go into them in depth right now. However, I I do want to read – I kind of glossed over healing last week. And uh, I might gloss over it again if I don't find my note. Where did I put that thing? Yes. You know, quite often we think of healing as, as not really happening much and and we don't really think about it. Um, one thing I do notice about healing is that in the gospels it's always associated with the furtherance of the gospel. It just seems like that's the situation. Whenever there was healings, there was a a, a proclamation of moving forward of the word of God. And maybe it's perhaps that we're so saturated with with. The gospel that there isn't much healing. I don't know. That's just me talking. But uh, any of you familiar with uh, the Gospel for Asia? Uh, K. P. O'Hannon, just an awesome. Uh, he he's from India, and it's he's just an amazing man. I, I love this guy and his ministry. He just has a heart. Instead of us sending local mission, uh, uh, you know, American missionaries over in the field, the idea is to go and equip local missionaries because you can you can really we are quite expensive <laughs> to send out into the field you know we have a certain standard and all this great stuff that you know people who are born in in third world countries uh, they don't you know they don't necessarily have all the the baggage that we have and you can sponsor you know five pastors for you know one or six missionaries for the price of one or whatever it is so it's much more efficient and more people get spread but this is gospel for asia i recommend you um Look into their stuff again. But it's, and please forgive me if I get the name wrong, but uh, Begeshri Kalan's face was so disfigured that her family covered it with a handkerchief. An aggressive cancer was eating away at Begeshri's mouth, and she was on her deathbed. Gospel for Asian missionary Lalakhtan Bevi was, was not repulsed by what he saw. He knew that God could heal her. Many doctors had tried to treat Bagashi's cancer. Her family even took her to a well-known Indian hospital that specializes in treatment, treating cancer patients. They also brought in witch doctors to perform wit- rituals they hoped might bring healing, but that did not work either. The doctor told Bagashi's family there was no hope. They told them to prepare for her death. Uh, which would come in a few days. When her condition began to deteriorate at an alarming rate, it appeared the doctors were right. La Lactian, the the missionary, was on a routine outreach mission in Bakasheri's, uh village. And when he heard about her plight, he rushed to her home to find the woman, her swollen, disfigured face covered with a handkerchief. Bagasheri's family members surrounded her, but they look exhausted and wore shattered expressions on their faces. Lalakten referred to the words of Isaiah the prophet, by his wounds we are healed, by Jesus' wounds we are healed. And as he shared the message of love with Bagashri's family, Bagashri and her family, then he anointed her with oil and began to pray, asking God for a complete healing. Bagashri's face began to change right before their eyes the swelling and her pain rapidly decreased as his prayer continued. Begashri's family members were amazed. and immediately went out to tell their neighbors all about the miracle. The neighbors came to see for themselves and were shocked to find her sitting up on her bed. The sun villagers invited Lalaktan to tell them about the Lord, and he invited them to come to the church where he serves as, as a pastor. Begashri, uh, her husband, and the two children Uh, eagerly attended the church and soaked up the gospel's teaching. Then, Vigashri's relatives heard about it and they threatened to harm her if she continued to learn about Jesus. They said she was abandoning her traditional faith. For a short time, she stayed away from the church, but Laluktan did not give up on her. He continued to visit the family, encouraging them to be bold for the Lord. She eventually returned to the church and is now a believer in Jesus, the same Jesus who healed her of a cancer. And Laluktan asked for ask for prayers that many more will come to to know the Lord because of his his miracle in in Begashri's life. This is just one of like so many different deals. The gospel is spreading like wildfire in different countries and there are healings and and miracles and it's it's happening. God is at work. And so, you know, uh, again, quite often... I think with the dealing with healing, and and many of you know that I I suffer with, uh, you know, fibromyalgia or whatever they think it is for, you know, 13, 14 years and destroys me. And how I've longed to pray for, God, will you just heal me? I mean, how many of you are suffering with these things? Okay. But I've found as I've done this is that it has been one of the greatest blessings in my life because it drives me to Jesus. I'm not to discount pain. Do I think God really cares about your pain? He really does. But I tell you what is very more important in God's economy is your faith and your character and trusting in Him. And so sometimes God will allow suffering in your life. And I don't know about you, but in me, the prayer sometimes needs to change. From Lord heal me to Lord show me what what it is You're teaching me. Lord, teach me. If Jesus suffered, man, I guess I'm suffering too. I pray that I would be like Jesus, not suffering for foolish things, but for righteous things. Yeah. But anyways, healing it it it's alive and and well today. Please flip over to, and, and those gifts again, you can check it out last week, but that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now flip over to Romans <clears throat> chapter 12. Thank you, Lord, that they're all 12 because now I can remember stuff. Excuse me. Here Paul lists the gifts in the context of serving. <clears throat> You'll, you'll you'll see that uh, he'll be talking about the wor- uh, worship and serving one another there, the Lord's Supper, and then he talks about spiritual gifts. And then in chapter 13, he talks about government, which I highly recommend we read because we're in this political season. But uh, all in the context of serving, how can we serve one another? And he lifts in, in, in verses three, 3 through 8, he lifts some gifts, but notice how he begins. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one to you. I don't know about you, but some people on this earth think more highly of themselves than they ought, and then, amen, <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> it's everywhere um I'm telling you and and the other side of it is then people don't see themselves as they ought to. They're both there's two sides of that. And so how do you how are you supposed to know who you are by what someone says or by what he says? I I would encourage you to flip to Ephesians and and and, and just start reading through the book of Ephesians, Colossians. Know who you are in Christ. Read Watchman Nee's book. Uh, you know, stand, sit, walk, or sit, walk, stand. I can't remember. Roll over. I don't know what it is. <clears throat> but it's great. Um, but in verses 3 through 8, he lifts some gifts. And he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has gifted each of you. And so for each of us, verse 4, has for each of us has one body with many members. And these members do not all have the same function. And so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Another, I'm sorry, what are my notes here? Page 12. My kids. You have a purpose in the body of Christ. You have a specific function, a specific ministry that God has called you to edify the church, this group of believers. And I'm praying that this church will move more towards that model. And I'm asking that, that, that I would decrease, and you know, that he would increase, that you and your giftings and your callings and, and your gifts would increase in this church. That we would look more and more like the New Testament church instead of, hey, it's Matt, Pastor Matt time. You are the church. Not to say that God hasn't gifted me, but you are the church of God. Amen? We are the church. Yes, there's leadership and all these structures and stuff, but I want to see more. I think the Spirit wants to see you you operating more in, 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 in doing, like, I think, just looking at the New Testament church. Different parts, all important, so the body may function properly. This is the uh, this is the picture that ba- that Paul uses all the time. The body. Think about it. What happens when the body is not functioning properly? Two different legs deciding to do different things. Hey, how you? Whoa, you know, it's just not going to work out. Got a mouth that's running and running and running and running. You know, arms that are flopping and doing things. You know what I'm saying? When the body's not functioning, you're... you're, you're. And then the, then the sad thing is that the world looks at us. What happens when the world looks at us? I don't want to be a part of that. We are to be a church that is unified under Jesus Christ and we're being led by the Spirit of God. That takes training. That takes time. It takes patience but that we would be united in him and get our marching orders from him. Amen? So unified for that purpose, unified in his purpose for me in the context of this fellowship, in the greater body of Christ, that there's also the body of Christ at large. We are not the only body of Christ, by the way. We are part of a greater body. You know, if you, if you read through church history, there's, there's the word Catholic. And people think, oh, Catholic Church. No, it's little c, which means universal. If it's big C, it means the Catholic Church. But little c, the universal church. There are brothers and sisters in the middle of a jungle in the Philippines that I know who are part of our body. And we are part of theirs. We're part of the body of Christ. There are brothers and sisters meeting in other places in this town who love Jesus who follow Him, who worship Him, who do it differently, who are our brothers and sisters, who are part of our body, how we should unify and link with them whenever possible. Obviously, we don't do doctrines, certain doctrines we do not uh, abandon, right? But there's so much to be, have in common, amen? There's so many great things we can do. We had the men's study with a, another fellowship in town. It was great. Didn't have, any, didn't we're talking doctor and all that stuff? We were talking Jesus. It was great. I encourage you to to seek those opportunities out. But he goes on. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesying in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then, although it stops, I want to continue. Just keep reading there. Romans, verse 9, love must be sincere. What happened in 1 Corinthians after he got done speaking about all these things in tongues? You get you're done with chapter 12, and then what happens? Chapter 13, the love chapter, which we'll end with today. He sandwiches all the gifts with love. That has to be our main focus is love. That doesn't, that doesn't disqualify the gifts. That is the lens through which we use them. That is the motivation for which we use these things. But he goes, loves must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Do you consider yourself devoted to the person to the left and to the right of you and behind you and in front of you? Do, you? do you consider yourself devoted to this group of people in love? Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know what? I I just, it's amazing. How many of us have lost our zeal for the Lord? We once burned bright for Him, and it just kind of became work. And then it's like, oh, you're sentenced to children's ministry, and it's just like, oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Anyone? I tell you what, leading worship is is sometimes difficult. You have to have your heart right all the time. Teaching, you have to have your heart right all the time. It's hard. Being a parent, you know, how many of you how many of you drive separately on the way to church? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm ready for the war. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But losing losing your zeal, I want each of you to be zealous. You know, the Lord wants you to be zealous. He doesn't want you to be cold. He wants you to be burning hot for him. You know what I'm saying? Pray about that. What areas can you rekindle the, the relationship with the Lord? We talked about in Revelation. Going back to your first love. Serving the Lord. How many of you want to serve the Lord and that's a hard question sometimes I don't want to sometimes I'm just too darn busy with me and my kingdom you know but what is God calling you to do you have a gift to edify the body of Christ it's going to look different from the person around you but without you we fall short consider your devotion to the body it's love but the context is serving one another which is equal to serving the Lord it says in verse 3 share with the Lord's people who are in need practice hospitality all things that you know, I need to work on be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves never be lacking zeal to keep your spiritual uh, fervor serving the Lord and here are the seven gifts he lays out prophecy Prophecy, again, speaking forth, telling forth the truth of God through the anointing of the Spirit. And he says to desire this above all. This is what edifies the church. When God gives you a word to share with someone, when God fills you with something, a knowledge that's supernatural that does not go against the word. Sharing these things. You know what, God, I think he's going to do this in your life. Or, you know what the word says? It says this, and it's a word fitly spoken for the right situation, prophecy. So needed in our church. Serving. Ministering. Which it, it, serving just means ministering, especially of those who execute the commands of others. This is where the, uh, it's uh, diakonia, which is where we get the word deacon. Serving, servant. How many of you just like serving? Like, I don't want to be in charge of just telling me what to do. Praise God for you people. Seriously, I had an awesome, uh, just someone in our last church, uh, Christine and I were totally uh, blessed by this woman, and she was the worship leader I trained up. But just, hey, what can I do to help? Can I help you do something? And it was just constant. It just took so much off of us as we were ministering, and it was such a blessing. And, And she did not want to organize the situation. She wanted to execute. And and it was just a great blessing those who desire to help. It's it's part of the body of Christ, so needed. And then there's teaching, to impart instruction, to instill doctrine into one. You know, to explain or expound a thing, to teach something. I like to do this. You know, this is kind of one of the things that I I think the Lord's fashioned in me since I was a kid. I see something and I want to know how it works, and then I want to tell everybody how it works. You know, there's pitfalls to that, but can't help it. Love it. You know, um, as I don't, you know, as a kid, I remember listening to lyrics and pulling them apart and going, "What does that mean?" You know, esoteric 13-year-old. But uh, you know, as you get older, you know, you realize that God had instilled that in you for His Word. You know, for me, and, and just picking it apart and seeing what he's saying and seeing patterns and all this type of stuff. And God just he lays it in your heart, and you just can't help but expound it to others. This is what's going on, teaching, how that's needed. You know, one of the greatest ways to, to learn the Word of God is to teach the Word of God. You know? So I encourage you, if, if you feel like that's a calling of yours, bug, bug the elders. Start, start talking to us and, and look for opportunities to teach encourage or exhort same words to call to one side to console to encourage to comfort to admonish to plead i'll give you examples peter in second acts it says in second acts acts chapter two yeah don't go to that book (laughs) with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation You warn them and plead them. It's just a dire urge. Will you please? You have urgent messages you feel like you need to share with people from the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Just this urgent appeal. Paul is a constant exhorter. Just, Just this warning wrapped up with encouragement and consolation. We're going down a path, you know. It's not going to be good. Come on, let's go. Giving, obviously to impart, to give something to someone. First Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we were, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. The idea that you are so driven uh, to meet someone's needs that you have to give. Some of you are like that. You just see someone you gotta give. You gotta do something about you gotta give of something God's given to you. My wife is like that. I love that. Giving. To lead. To be over, to superintend, to preside over, to be a protector or a guardian. I think the you know, this isn't in the original language, but I think a manager is a is a good is a good title. 1 Thessalonians 5.12, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Not over as in superior, but they have responsibility to make sure that you are fed and taken care of and loved and that your needs are met spiritually and physically as well, I believe. And so that leadership, how we have some great leaders on the elder board and in other areas of ministry um, that are needed to To make sure things run smoothly and things are not out of whack, uh, mercy to help the afflicted to bring help to the wretched, to have mercy on those seeking help. How many of you when someone's just in need, you just want to console them and help them you, you see that they're broken even though they're scoundrels, right, and you just go up and you go, Oh gosh, you know I just can't help you you know I've just gotta help you. I'm saying they don't have to be scoundrels, but that's just my case, you know and and and, and I'm using this this in context here. You know, remember the story of the demoniac. Jesus saw that and he had mercy on him. The guy who was freaking out, cutting himself, running around naked. Mark 5, 18-20 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat after he had healed him, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. In verse 20, Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. The Lord is merciful, and I'm thankful for that quality, not giving us what we do deserve, mercy. Love that definition. Thank you, Lord. So seeing someone in need and helping them. So this list of gifts was given in the context of serving the Lord in his body. Pray about how the Lord would use you in that and to excel in it. Go for it. Don't hold back. And then it's sandwiched with love, and we'll get there in a second. But our last one's in Ephesians 4, and we'll bust through this. Maybe, maybe not. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. 4 verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit Through the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? See the unity here? One God, one Father of all, who is over and through all and in all. That unity there. Now, he talks about the Spirit, spiritual gifts. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. And these are graces. God's giving us grace. you know, just just giving us, even though we don't deserve it, it's amazing. God's gift to us, the the gifts are graces, and this is what it says. And He says, "This is why it says He ascends on high. He took many captives and gave gifts to His people." What does He ascend mean? Except that He also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who's descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to the whole, to fill the whole universe. So Christ Himself. Verse 11, gave apostles, gave the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and the teachers. Why? Let's read verse uh, 12 together. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Not to drive around in a Rolls Royce, Not to collect money, not to take advantage of people, but to build you up. That's what we're here for. That's what those people who have been called into these positions are for. To build you up. Remember that. Until, verse 13, we reach all unity in the faith. Unity is not in anything else. True unity in the biblical unity is not. Unless it's in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The goal is Christ likeness. Okay, now this list is often called by some the office gifts. And so here they are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Let's bust through this. And again, the purpose is to equip so that the body of Christ is built up. And I'm skip through this thing. Apostles. The word means to send forth, and Jesus gave them this term when he chose the twelve, and he set them apart for the work of ministry. I'm calling you apostles now, and I'm sending you forth. How many apostles are in in, in the New Testament? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? (laughs) We know of the twelve. Definitely the twelve are are the apostles, but there's clearly fifteen and maybe nineteen. But Matthias, who took over Judas Iscariot's position, was an apostle. Paul, obviously, was an apostle. Barnabas was an apostle in Acts 14.14, 14, says that. James, the brother of Jesus, was an apostle, Galatians 1.19. Uh, and then possibly in Romans 16.17, depending on how you read it, uh, Andronicus and Junia might be apostles, depending on how you read it again. Uh, and let's not forget about one more. Um, there's one more apostle. Anybody guess who it is? Anybody? Hebrews three one. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. <laughs> oh you can remember if you don't know, just say Jesus. <coughs> Jesus? Yeah, you got it. What do you know? Isn't that funny? Now there are qualifications. Do the question is: Do apostles exist today? Let's in, in Acts chapter one, Peter um, and the disciples were in the process of replacing Judas Iscariot. Remember, he totally he blew it, and he died. And so they said, "Hey, let's replace this guy." And so they gave down some criteria. It's laid out in Acts chapter one, twenty-one through twenty-two. You can write that down, which says, "Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men." Who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, from one of these, uh, uh, sorry, for one of these must become a witness with us to, of his resurrection. And that was the purpose of the apostles. So they nominated the two men, Joseph called Bar- uh, Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Such uh, show us which of these you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. <laughs> <Ooh. clears throat> they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So it had to be a man. It had to be, um, it, they had to have been with the disciples the whole time Jesus was living among them, beginning from John's baptism uh, to the time Jesus was taken up. He had to be a witness of the resurrection. And also, I would add, to this this list out of Second Corinthians chapter one verse one, where Paul says, "Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God," had to be by the will of God. You don't appoint yourself an apostle; uh, they they were appointed by God. The last criteria, criteria is the sovereignty of God. Again, because of this list um, that the Scripture lays out, the elders and I we don't we don't hold that the apostles are active today. Um, now that. You have situations where churches are the you know a church and all that stuff, um, because the word says sent ones. Many believe and and kind of hold to the fact that missionaries are apostles. I mean, if you're looking from a biblical point of view, yeah. I, I just call missionaries missionaries and call apostles apostles. Okay. Apostles, you know, they had some pretty strict cr- criteria in here. So again. There are those who teach us these because of that I means sent ones that maybe uh, the modern apostle is a missionary. So I I I'd kind of disagree with that, although I don't think that that uh, missionaries are not sent. So uh, really quickly, the rest prophets <clears throat> in the religious assemblies of Christians. They are moved by the spirit, the Holy Spirit to speak, having power to instruct, comfort, encourage, rebuke, convict and stimulate their hearers. Again, the foretelling and the telling of the word of God. Evangelists, a bringer of good tidings. An evangelist is one who shares the good news of the saving gospel of Christ. Some people are evangelists. They just can't, I don't know, but God just anoints them like Billy Graham. People just are saved. People have that in ministry, Greg Laurie, others like that that just share. And people are just brought to Christ. Some people are more equippers. And so you see these different gifts in Acts 2, 21, 8. It says, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven. So he was one of uh, an evangelist. 2 Timothy uh, 4, 5. Timothy was an evangelist. He says, But you, Paul speaking to Timothy, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Timothy, Timothy was a pastor, teacher, and and these things. I'm busting through, almost done. Pastor, which means shepherd, right? Jesus is the good shepherd. Any shepherd is an under-shepherd. We have to remember that. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So protecting and self-sacrificing for the care of the sheep. First Peter chapter 5, and we're going to get this. Everybody focusing on this one. Almost done. We're on the goal line. If it's the Chargers, we're not going to score, but <clears throat> I know Doug and I are... <laughs> i know i don't have the gift of faith there to the elders among you i appeal as fellow elders and witness of christ suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed be shepherds of god flock so he's talking to the elders the elders are shepherds are pastors that is under your care watch over them not because you must but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve; not lording over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, uh, uh, you will receive the crown of glory. And so, to feed the sheep, to tend the sheep, to, to take care of you. And teachers. It's the last one. Well, we already went over that. One who teaches the things of God, and the between the uh, con, uh, teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of man, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. So, the gifts of the Spirit. And these all things Paul talks about uh, in First Corinthians, he ends. All these are the gifts of the Spirit, and they are yours, and they are for the edification of the body. Now I want to end. I know we're going long. It's okay. If this were football, everybody would be wonderful. All right. So, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And I want to end by reading First Corinthians chapter thirteen. You flip over there with me. So at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, are all apostles? And these are seven rhetorical questions. He says, are all apostles? What's the answer? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Knocks down that doctrine. Do all interpret but eagerly desire the greater gifts? And yet I will show you a more excellent way. This is not instead of. This is the way we are to do it. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, And I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love. I gain nothing. And now he explains it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts and always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know him in part, but then I shall know him fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. He's saying that the gifts are kind of like for now, we're kind of children now on this earth, but we see him face to face. All those things are going to be done away with. We won't need the gifts anymore. We'll see him face to face, but love will endure. Let love rule in this body. Look at the people around you. Use yourself and the gifts God's given you to bless them. Amen. Father, we we lift up this this section of scripture and we ask that you would Pour out upon us all the good gifts that you have for us. Don't hold anything back, God. And just those of you here, just if you want God to, to show you what your gifts are, just ask. Ask. Lord, show me. And if you don't feel like you have anything, you don't feel like you have a place, call to him and say, Lord, I, this is not what your word says. It says that I do have a place. I do have a calling. I do have a gifting. So, Lord, will you please reveal it? Just cry out to him and ask him. And he will answer you because he wants to bless you and he wants to use you for his glory. So, Father, pour out. Bless your body that you would get the glory, that we would be built up in you. In the name of Jesus, amen.